Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Just a quick note before the episode begins, I want to apologize about the audio quality. For some reason, Zoom does not like dealing with my mic and occasionally it starts popping throughout the episode even after a mic test. And for some reason at the beginning of this as well, Tyler's mic decided to switch back to the PC input instead of his headset. So we're trying to, we're going to find a different platform to, to record this on, not through Zoom. Big shout out to Jason for joining us. And I'm sorry we couldn't uh, upload a flawless audio recording of this conversation. It was really fun. Talked about a lot of interesting things and we were super excited to catch up with you, man. All right, here it is. Today is Thursday, June 4th. On the show with us, Jason Langer. Jason is a product line marketing manager of VMware, located in the Seattle area. You can find him on Twitter at J-A-S Langer. Welcome to the show, Jason. Yeah, good morning, Aaron. Morning, Tyler. Good to have you here, man. All right. What do y'all want to talk about? Let's get. Let's just get right into it. Well, I want to start quickly with just a, a call out that I'm team Android, so I don't know if we need to go anywhere with that or... But I just want to mention that right out, right out of the gates. Good, good for you. <laughs> In the next bit of news, no, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's good to know about you. Um, anyway, so <laughs> one of the one of the cool things I saw this morning, um, I don't know if you all have seen. There's a uh, there's a company that's making a a single person drone that you can sit in and fly. The company's called Kitty Hawk. And they had a program, the, it was called the flyer program, right? Where the person's in it. And I think there's uh, six, eight, one, two, there's eight rotors around it. Um, this is not the one that the guy got in with the bathtub and flew to McDonald's, not that video. This, this one is actually pretty cool. But they, it looks like they're ending that flyer program and they're shifting to, there was a, a program, I guess, that was in um, stealth mode. I think it's pronounced Heavicide, Heavicide? I don't know, H-E-A-V-I-S-I-D-E, but it's a uh, focus on an um, autonomous version of it, right? Um, it's kind of next gen looking. And one of the cool things um, that they were talking about in the article was how quiet it is. Oh, okay. once it Once it gets up to, you know, 400, 500, 600 feet up, uh, you, you can't even hear it. Um, That's cool. They're doing some uh, decibel ratings. It's, I guess, 10 times quieter than a, uh, than a helicopter. Which, wow. is, which is super nice, right? So yeah, that's actually really cool. And, and one of the examples they dropped here, flying from San Jose up to San Francisco, 15 minutes. Wait, no, what? I'm looking at the pictures of it, Aaron, and yeah, uh, that's pretty cool looking. And the, the, the key thing for, at least for me, for my experience on is the noise factor, right? Like I've got a lot of drones in my neighborhood. I think they're cool tech, but you know, 7.30 on a Saturday morning when my neighbor kids are all zzzz. <laughs> Around. I was curious about that. There's like no drones in my neighborhood. Well, I also wonder, you know, when you, I mentioned it, I sound like the, the old guy saying, you know, get off my lawn. I wonder from a, from a, from a toy perspective, if people have moved on to the next thing, right? Where the drone, the folks that I see that are really into drones, those are not cost-wise, those are not toys. And Aaron, maybe you can chime in on that because I know you've got one sitting behind you, but, you know, you start getting into these thousand dollar two thousand dollar kits or even more it's definitely more of a, an adult hobby or a, yeah. a, a higher expense hobby maybe let's put it that way yeah yeah uh i don't i mean 
I don't know where you draw the line between toy and uh, expensive hobby or adult hobby or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. You sound. Can you buddy. bag groceries and afford to do this? I think it's probably where that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other cool things about it, vertical takeoff and landing. Obviously, I mean it's a it's a drone, but it's shaped yeah, yeah. like an airplane, so it's got uh, cool glide looking. features. I'm, I'm at it now too. Yeah, it's got I mean, what? It's got glide features, glide capabilities. Oh, nice. They've got a couple of different versions of what they do here, too. The you know the flyer with the heavy side looks different. It looks more like a glider with helicopter props turned upside down. Yeah, it looks like the article I'm seeing, hopefully it's the current one, Aaron, that you're referencing. It's, it's got a 10-mile, tw- uh, 23-minute flight time reach. So oh, that's, that's good enough for me, man. Yeah, no, I, I'll I can, take it, but that's yeah. tiny. I guess I guess that's the uh, the single taxi version of an of a of a tiny giant drone. I don't even yeah. Know I don't, yeah. That's very confusing. I don't know what you call that. <laughs> Good place to start is what I call it, and then yeah, right. you get better battery tech. Oh yeah, tech for sure. And... Yeah. No, that's all right. That's cool. What else? Good, good find, man. Oh, uh, let's let's jump to SpaceX since everybody's talking about SpaceX these days. Um, they uh, successfully landed the Falcon Nine for a fifth uh, reusable yeah. attempt. Um, yesterday i actually missed the date but um that's the first time they reused a single rocket five times with the goal ultimate goal of the program or what they're trying to get to 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 be 10 and i believe 10 reuses is what gets them close to some of the target costs for um for the platform right so that's pretty cool and i didn't realize um that they had not done five yet which probably bodes well for how good public opinion of their success is right now yeah um, but I think I think that's great, and and it it just moves us closer and closer to being able to do some of the other cool stuff, in um, you know private and non-private yeah. space exploration and uh, other stuff. In fact, another article that I read, which I, you guys might know about, but um, there's there I read a really cool article that basically said. Uh, researchers and uh, physicists, astronomers are actually eyeing the far side of the moon for a, a radio telescopic array. And we're doing that because it's effectively radio silent and doesn't have all of the noise that from the Earth, sun. Uh, well, that, so Earth, sun, from our Earth atmosphere, well, yeah. all of these things just cause a lot of uh, distortion, basically, yeah. which means that we can't see as far, see in quotes, right? Because it's, uh, we're, we're, it's radio telescope. So you're looking for waves that are way 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 outside of the normal spectrum and uh, it requires being further away from all the noise and issues of earth to get that done and one of the reasons that we haven't done something like that yet and i was reading through this article it's a really good article from uh, astronomy.com um we have we have used manned spaceflight to put smaller telescopes on the moon so it's not like we've never done this right but at scale, it's very difficult. And until recent technological advancements, it would have required human spaceflight to be able to install massive arrays of technical equipment, which becomes extremely difficult for, I think, probably obvious reasons, right? Moonwalking and that sort of stuff is non-trivial. It's difficult. It's hard to get lots of people up there. You think about building out a, an array of equipment that covers miles on the surface of the moon, like that's an undertaking and it ends up being very, very expensive. So apparently NASA had a, uh, a competition, if you will. It was a, a study that they funded to actually target the, the, 
possibility of deploying a giant radio telescope array autonomously. And a few companies obviously played in that and we're close. Basically, we think we have the technical capability in place to be able to autonomously deploy an array of radio telescopes or an array that makes a giant radio telescope on the far side of the moon, which is freaking That's cool. awesome. Yeah, and that means so we're that much closer to laser cannons on the dark side of the moon too. I <laughs> sure hope so, right? That's what I want. Well, we got to watch out for those, <laughs> those, those asteroids coming in. That's right. Know? That's right. It's well, a giant real-life game of asteroid right now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm excited about it, too, because um, beyond the obvious, which is if you get a, a giant array telescope on the dark side of the moon and you can see further into the galaxy or further back in time in, in the universe, um, which is also part of it, like looking back into the astronomical dark age that we can't really see to right now, um, one some of the targets are searching for habitable planets or potentially habitable planets. So looking at distant stars and then their habitable zones based on heat and, and various other uh, components. Moons of other planets. Clearly see them further. Well, at the very least, you know, we'll, we'll get a better feel for that. That's a good target to go send a probe over the next 150 years or whatever stupid far yeah. away timeline. But uh, the other thing is I think, stuff like that autonomous deployment of scale technology on outer or extraterrestrial bodies yeah sets us up for being able to have things like little drone armies go to mars and at yeah. least set up the foundation for terraforming or yeah you know we're bio houses environments here. yeah heck, i mean it's just it's exciting like i want that to happen not just for the astronomical side of it and, and the research field but the successful deployment of infrastructure at scale on an extraterrestrial body is actually really exciting if it's quote unquote affordable right right which that's the whole point here so cool stuff yeah your um your little distortion thing reminded me the other day we were having a um a talk about radio waves and um, sound, sound waves rather, sorry, not radio waves, but sound waves uh, with my daughters. We were playing in the backyard, had a campfire going, and we had a little speaker on one side of the fire and we were talking and standing on the other side of the fire. And as the, the fire is moving, it's distorting the, uh, the sound coming over the fire. It's pretty cool. That is cool. So, I always love talking to them about stuff like that, that you can't, you know, That's like fun. the concept of gravity, right? And, you yeah. know, it's like a little science curiosity is so fun. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, it's something I do with my kids every night. Um, my my wife and I switch off who puts the kids to bed, and um, at the beginning of that, like I, it, it was really tough because I, I anybody that has kids knows that it can be a, a struggle to get them down at night. And uh, I don't know, it's probably a year ago now, but like a switch just flipped for me, and I was like, no, I'm gonna enjoy this time. I'm really gonna try to dig into the moment and have a good time of it. So we get through the battle of teeth brushing, which they're getting better at as they get older, right? And then everything after that is fun. We read a book. We, you know, you know just try to bring the energy level down. But then uh, when I put them all to bed, if, if we're doing independent and they're sleeping in their own rooms, because my kids actually really like to do slumber parties, as we call them, and they'll sleep together in the same, same place. But when I put them together alone, I always give them a chance to ask a question about anything. And I'm kind of hoping that that fosters uh, come, come to dad, come to mom, talk about whatever. But most of their questions right now are like, well, how's that work? Right. And so my, my middle son, his questions are always like, how does an engine work? What is, how does light go around corners? You know, my daughter goes, you know, straight out to what happened before the before the before the before that got humans here kind of stuff right like she's, turtles, she's nebulous down. in her questions it's turtles 
Yeah, exactly. No, I've, I've actually had to answer questions like that from her. Cause it's like, well, yep. You just reached the limit of my understanding of uh, all and things. Then, and then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, but then, and then, then the next question will be like, how did they make that plastic? <laughs> yeah. um, it's just so crazy. It's ton, tons of fun. When you think about that, and I'm not trying to get too heavy this early in the morning, but like, that curiosity and that thirst for understanding and knowledge, like at some point, we need more of that in adults nowadays, right? And it's 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 good to hear that I don't have any children. So to hear that, how that comes from you guys, from your kids, from a place of innocence of just wanting to know everything that's going on, it's it's that's very helpful, right? That brings restores yeah. some faith in humanity a little bit. Elon was talking yeah, a little bit about awesome. that uh, with the the spacesuits, uh, as y'all noticed. They Is that a nickname were... for his son, daughter, spacesuit? <laughs> space, space Sorry. Suit. <laughs> no, he said, uh, I mean, he, he was like, right before the launch, he, they were, he's taking questions about the spacesuits and he's like, you know, honestly, I kind of wanted to make them cool. So kids want to be cool. astronauts. Nailed you know, it. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Was yeah. Cool. Like they just look like they stepped out of a sci-fi show. Absolutely. The, yeah. The cockpit. Of the, yes. Of the Everything I mean, it, it was just like. Yeah. Talk I about digital been, transformation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this does not look like the challenger that I was used to seeing, you know, when they used to wheel the TV into the, you know, into the home room. Back I bet that 80s. cockpit, like the, the Dragon Crew cockpit was actually a really fun human factors and UI design uh, use case, right? I'll bet that the engineers, because that's, that's one of those, or at least for me, I, I often forget about the human factor side of that sort of equipment because it's not all about the touch screen and what you do in the ui it's also like where does the human sit and how do they interact with all of this equipment and stuff and you look at you know the space shuttle from the 60s and then all of those and you look at all of the buttons and stuff and you think about how much went through that and now there's this this sort of transition towards a lot of touchscreen interfaces yeah. and having digital and being able to adjust where sort of the perfect zone is for something. But, but that was a really cool project. It'd be fun to talk to somebody that worked on that. Yeah. I saw a picture on Twitter and I'll see if I can find it again, where they showed a side-by-side -side view of the new cockpit compared to. Yeah. I it was that. just like That's so you know, cool. rows and rows of buttons yeah. and knobs and switches. And part of me is like, that's so much cooler, right? Because you have all these nerd knobs and it's like, yeah, but you know, having a single or a couple of touch screens that you can swipe and up, down or whatever, probably a lot easier you know, to manage. My immediate reaction to that picture, because I saw that side by side, was looking at the one on the left and thinking like straight to Star Trek with just, and Star Wars too, with just like blinking knights and, and yeah. buttons everywhere, right? Like one, how wrong they got it, right? Because now you go into the actual future where you've got this touch screen array in front of the, the uh, astronauts, right? But then how futuristic the the crew dragon capsule and the spacesuits actually are it's it was this weird like that's real and we made sci-fi look like it on the left the older one right and now what sci-fi turned into we totally just snagged it too and yeah. and it, it's kind of crazy I, I don't know i wonder if uh <laughs> space age technology really does chase sci-fi it's it's awesome yeah it was a stark Side difference for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, wow. Oh yeah. No, that's that's fun stuff. Um, here I get some other news. Uh, the Francis contract chasing app apparently is off to a pretty good start. Um, so the the BBC they I guess they've got six hundred thousand downloads uh, since they released it on Tuesday afternoon. And I we've talked a lot on the show about whether or not um, P 
people have enough trust in private or public sources for stuff like contract tracing apps. Um, I'm curious, like I, I in, and this is the skeptic in me, I see the article and I think, oh, cool, positive news about a contract tracing app. And then I think, wait a second, 600,000 downloads since Tuesday actually sounds really bad, kind of, <laughs> because you need millions yeah, and the first wave doesn't sound that great. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I don't know what percentage of France's population that is, but I'm pretty sure it's a far cry from the number that need to be using it. And I would guess that the first push is one of the biggest pushes. So, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about that. That's uh, 0.0089%. Yeah. <laughs> Point zero like apparently zero that's nine. a good start. I guess it's a good start because they didn't, I don't know, set the app on fire. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say, I, I know you guys were talking about that uh, the other day, and it's the idea of, you know, the personal security on downloading those types of apps or those devices. And I think, you know, if you have a, I don't want to say it too loud because it'll turn on, but like my Alexa, my house, you know, those types of things. She did just turn on. Um, that's awesome. It's like... <laughs> There's this point where I've, for me personally, I've come to an understanding where it's like, I, I'm sure somebody's tracking me somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Yep. Um, NASA has my backups, which means I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, NASA, I don't. The NSA. <laughs> you, you literally have to be disconnected not to think that somebody doesn't have something of your information or your data anymore. Very true. So it's a tough call. I get, you know, I'm not saying I want everybody just to be able to pull my data, but. No, of course. For the betterment of, you know, what's going on, it might, yeah. might not be a bad idea. Yeah, we talked about that the other day, too. And I, I think Aaron and I um, both fall into the bucket of the convenience that you can pull out of some of the stuff that is very obviously just tracking everything you do is, is kind of worth it. Heck, Google Maps is a good example of that. Yeah. that. That's all it was, was like build out the world and and let you be my worker bee. And it's so convenient. I can't imagine the world without mapping applications now like navigation is such a trivial thing and and it was applications like that that made that possible yeah. and we gave on a boatload of information to the uh proprietors of that yeah. technology yeah so. do y'all do y'all remember printing out MapQuest? oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or even before that what is it triptychs from AAA, yes. man <laughs> yeah you missed the turn and you're like ah i have to go back to you the know, start <laughs> i off the map I have I have a very acute story about that because when I moved to Italy with my wife, uh, right after we got married in 2011, it was uh, Google was totally there. MapQuest was a thing, but they, Google was still young. So I, I want to say we printed out Google Maps because I knew that I wasn't going to have cell connectivity or data when I landed at the airport. And um, it wasn't easy to I don't even think I had a phone that could use a, the SIMs that were over there. So it wasn't as easy as just picking up one in the airport, which used to be a thing before uh, burner phones became an issue for a lot of uh, governments. So it's not as easy to get your hands on, on just a SIM as you land in the country anymore. But um, neither here nor there, I didn't have data. So we printed out the map to where we were going to go live for a couple of months in downtown Milan. And we, no joke, missed a turn. And it was over. Like, couldn't read the signs or my wife could actually she she was very talented with Italian but like we had no idea where we were we had no way of figuring it out because we had no GPS uh you know tracking the 
downtown Milan is not an easy place to drive because of there's lots of one-way streets that move around monuments and stuff like that. It took us like four hours to figure out where we needed to be. And ultimately, we had to pull over at a public park, probably illegally. And my, my wife got out of the car and just struck up conversations with people trying to figure out where the heck our hotel was. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. It's like they weren't thinking about uh, traffic flow when they built the city a thousand years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Horses oh, carriages weren't in the vernacular at that point, Aaron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Google Speaking can track tracking. me all they want as long as I can get to my hotel in less than five hours, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. So Apple stores, and I know neither y'all are Apple phone people. So just like bear with me for 20 seconds through this bit of news. Uh, Apple stores in Philadelphia and New York. um, I guess there's some other cities that were targeted by um, some looters, but Mm. they have the ability to track the phones that had not been enabled. Oh, I didn't didn't even know that they could do that. Pre-enablement. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, they, if you turn the phone on, it just comes up with a message that says, please return to Apple Walnut Street. Uh, (laughs) This device has been disabled and is being tracked. Local authorities will be alerted. I I saw that. That is actually really cool. That's that's very interesting. Oh, I say cool. It's also They should say things like we have your precise GPS location. And we can see your face through the camera. Like, just yeah, so here's your we, know what, we know what take color a, your front door a, is. Take a selfie of them. Be like, here you go. We show them you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the capability. Oh, man. That, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because I remember when, um, when we've talked about like jailbreaking and, and rooting phones before. But one of the reasons I rooted a phone early on was to because you could actually install applications or yeah, take advantage load. of all of the equipment on a phone to actually set stuff like that up before Google and Apple and other manufacturers sort of included that as feature functionality. So like find my phone, I, I had on a rooted Android, you know, years before you could just go to that site on Google or before Apple implemented it. And there were apps using stuff like Tasker, which is like an automation platform for Android. If it's rooted, you have basically access to all the hardware too. So you could actually set it up so that if you send a message to your phone, it would start recording from both cameras. It would start recording audio. It would start uh, feeding its GPS location back to you, right? And uh, like it was cool. It's like the glitter bomb thing. That's fun. Mark Rober or whatever. Until you think about Google and Amazon or Apple being the ones that have that button. That's yeah. less fun. Well, I mean, that just goes back, I mean, previous conversation about your your private security, right? Like, mm-hmm. I understand that that's their asset, quote unquote. But just knowing that there's probably, there's not a SIM card in there, you know, and they're like, hey, we know exactly where this device is, at, probably at all times. And yeah, again, it, you know, some of the betterments that we talked about, you know, having GPS on my phone, if that means Google knows where I'm at, you know, I'm usually not doing anything that I need to worry about the authorities knowing where I'm at. So I'm not too worried about it. But again, yeah. how much of our personal and private security are we giving out for some of these feature comforts? And- well, and I think there's a lot of stuff we take for granted there too, right? Because you oftentimes, and I've heard this argument quite often, it's the idea that if, if, Google or Apple knows the location of my device. They know where I was. It's not a big deal. I'm not doing something that's illegal. But when you start to look at like social issues where it's not really legal or illegal or it's not illegal today, but 
with a little bit of data in the wrong hands, they can figure out that you like green apples and that's no longer acceptable socially. And then a government entity gets access to that because they built in a back door and they don't approve of encryption. And then all of a sudden it wasn't even about illegality. It's just you, you're that green apple guy and we're not okay with that anymore. And Apple gives access to an entity that goes in hunt you down for it right or, yeah. or just blacklist you or whatever it is like th- those are very real if not a little tinfoil hat concerns for that kind of stuff so i get it i, un- I understand the arguments against it i tend to fall into your bucket but i wonder too if that's not just a privilege of the scenario we're in right yeah well i mean how many times have you been in a conversation with a group of your buddies or your wife and the next thing you know you go to look at your phone or something else and you start seeing ads that's for Twinkies when you were just talking about it in the kitchen. Yeah, like it's like, come on, there's not a, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> not at all. So, happens to everyone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Speaking of virtual assistants uh, and and creepy stuff, and then audio audio distortion too. I ran into a fun article, uh, or at least I thought it was fun. Uh, the BBC released a virtual assistant recently, and they did it because all of the ones on the market have trouble understanding British dialects. Oh, like the that. broad British dialects do not play nice with the, the Googles and the, and the Apples and the Microsoft. Do they still use Corona? I don't know, but or Cortana. <laughs> Corona. Yeah. There's yeah. a slip. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, cool. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I do have a British accent on my ways, by the way. I find that more soothing nice. when, I'm, when I'm driving around. So there was a, there was a joke. It was a clip. Uh, I don't remember whose clip it was now. Um, some British comedian, uh, I feel like they're fairly well known. Anyways, they were in an elevator that was voice controlled and they're both yelling at the assistant <laughs> just to get them to try to go to a floor and the assistant can't understand their, their accents at all. It, it's hilarious. I should look that up and, and rewatch it, but it was good. Apparently this is to address that. <laughs> Jason, are you a VR guy? Um, not, not all in yet. Like I've been keeping an eye on it mostly because I'm a a PC gamer. Okay. Um, trying to see. Uh, so I'm up to speed on it, but I don't own any, you know, like an Oculus or that stuff as of yet. So. Okay. Uh, well, you should get into it. You should check it out. Maybe wait. Um, so I love the Quest. Um, if you like high res experiences, experiences, I'm having so much trouble this morning talking. Sorry. Um. If you have high res, oh. <laughs> if you like high res, uh, the quest will probably let you down a little bit, um, but the experience is super cool. Um, so maybe wait a generation or two and get into it. Um, but it's it's a game changer, man. Um, so are you saying the product the is NAS- called the Quest or? Sorry. Well, yeah, Oculus, yeah, the Oculus quest, quest, which happens oh, to be owned quest. by Facebook. So if you're anti-Facebook, then maybe don't oh. go with that. Yeah, so, that's a whole other conversation, maybe. Yeah, Quest, I'm pretty up. sure that they're just trying to get the IP of your iris scan. That's, yes. that's it. It's just, it's just retina scans. It's, it's, that's yeah. exactly it's just, right. It just needs to know your eyes so that when you start walking around cities, they can sell you stuff. You're going to see that's ads exactly on right. sides of buses targeted to you because of your Oculus scans. There you go. How's that for a tint? That's right. <laughs> so what I was trying to get to, uh, NASA.gov, there's, there's an article here. Um, there's a new galactic center adventure in VR. The article says, by combining data from telescopes with supercomputer simulations and VR, there's a new visualization that allows you to experience 500 years of cosmic evolution around the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way. This, uh, it's called Galactic Center VR. 
Hmm. Uh, and it's available in uh, Steam and Viveport VR stores. So cool. it looks super cool. That super sounds cool. super cool. Pretty tricky. I'm, uh, I'm, really I'm right on the cusp of trying to get into the VRXR stuff. And um, I'm, I'm excited because I want to drag my kids into it. And that's the kind of stuff that I want them to be able to experience. Like what a cool way to, to learn about space and, and astronomy and stuff like that. What was the um what was the MP3 player we used to use? Like whoops the llamas. Uh, oh, 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 you're talking oh, about Winamp. Uh, Winamp. Winamp, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the whoops, Winamp the visualization. Out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, the really Can trippy we say ones that, that by were... the way, sorry. I don't know. It's all okay. good. It, it, yeah, whatever. We don't have sensors. <laughs> the <Yet>. um <laughs> the visualization it, it kind of reminds me of that. Just kind of, they have yeah, a little that's YouTube cool. version. Do you remember uh, the dancing mushroom from that visualization studio? The dancing, I think that was an yeah. additive in your experience. Uh, it may have been. It may totally have <laughs> been. But I remember Winamp uh, visualizations. They tended to be all the lines and stuff like that. But you could get add-ons for it. And there was one version that was like a tentacle mushroom, and it was all trippy. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. It would be like neon blue <laughs> or something. Yeah, you know, it was that all was kinds cool. of crazy like. Uh, well, what, that's the one I liked. All the lamp colors. <laughs> the only way yeah. I can describe it. Yeah, I've looked. I will. I have been looking at the VR stuff. Um, I'm kind of a Star Wars nerd, and I know there's like a lightsaber Darth Vader yes. game. That's Dude. the one that's <laughs> piqued my interest the most. So. Yes, the lightsaber stuff, like that plus Beat Saber, totally worth it. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's, there it's you worth go. It just for that. There you go. It is so. That's cool. cool. I'm looking forward to it. My my wife's probably going to poo poo on it though. She doesn't like me playing video games. Yeah, you get the haptic is... feedback of the lightsabers and you know. Oh, that's the, cool. The sound mixing really across cool. like as you, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Super laughs> that's nerdy. awesome. Hey, I got a bit of total non-tech news, which I found incredibly interesting, which is that uh, urban foxes may be self-domesticating, <laughs> which is really cool. Apparently, this is in the UK. But, um, and I remember reading this because this is from sciencemag.org, right? Um, but it was, uh, there was a study back in the 1960s where scientists actually intentionally tried to domesticate or tame foxes by taking the tamest, nicest, you know, least aggressive foxes and then actually breeding them together. So, you know, animal husbandry to make them more, uh, more like domestic dogs, right? Um, apparently in... Um, in, is the Scotland? No, where, I forget where it is. I feel like it's in the UK. I, I, it slipped my mind. Um, anyways, uh, the, the habit, habitat changes that have happened and the foxes that are running around in urban areas, they are self-domesticating. So the ones that are aggressive and stuff like that just aren't doing as well. And it's probably because of scraps and things like that. But they're not domesticated yet. Don't, don't go adopt a, a stray fox. But fox. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, all right. Two other things I got, Jason, I'm curious if you got anything, but, uh, Tesla model three just became the best selling car in California. It's the first time what? on electric cars top wow. of the list. If you've been in California anytime in the past year, you realize they are Tesla's every stinking where. Oh yeah. They're um, for sure. Yeah. You're almost frowned upon if you're, if you're not driving one. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah. There you go. I'm still uh, super impressed with the fact that, that Elon Musk and, and Tesla have managed to be as successful as they are. I mean, the the likelihood of failure of that entire effort was so, so high. And here we are. That's huge. And it's really, yeah. really cool. 
And on June 6th, another bit of space news, there's going to be an asteroid again. Okay, so going back to the moon, you know, laser cannons, there's an asteroid the size of the Empire State Building that's going to, quote, zoom past Earth. Uh, let's see. It's about 1,870 feet in diameter, it looks like. Cool. 1,400 feet tall. June 6th. See? And if we had our array of attack satellites floating around the sun somewhere, then we could launch one after it and try to land something cool on it. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys are, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, are movie buffs or not, but that just reminds me that June or July is the 20th anniversary of Armageddon. What? <laughs> so that's 20 years. So I'm, I'm the out. fact that you're telling me there's an asteroid hurling at us, Eric, is... <laughs> Oh, we got to send Bruce that, Willis up there to break right. it. Wasn't it Bruce Willis? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, Bruce Willis and uh, that. Oh Affleck. man, twenty years. Yeah, that reminds me of the XKCD. There's always a relevant XKCD. I don't know why we don't talk about XKCD more on this podcast. I'm gonna have to start looking at their cartoons before uh, before every podcast now. But um, that every so often they'll release ones that remind you how old you are, and they love to do the timelines of movies and stuff like if you're. If you're, or as of today, you're closer to when you're going to die than you were to when Star Wars was made and stuff like that. Like it's like, oh, that's depressing. Or Stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so about how old Jaws is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So apparently there's uh, 20,000 near Earth asteroids. I don't know what they mean by near Earth. I know that. So Probably earlier in the article, like within by. the solar system. <laughs> well, there, so they said that there's, so NASA has a, uh, has a widget for stargazers they can keep track of cool. any asteroids that approach within 4.6 million miles of the planet right so maybe that's some of it um i forgot so, about the one in 2013 the one that slammed into russia injured 1600 people oh, you wow. remember that one i, I, a, I don't i don't oh wow okay yeah there was a just a massive explosion i mean right through the atmosphere slammed into the ground and uh wow. injured 1600 people Jeez. Man, there's a there's a lot of space stuff that's absolutely horrifying, and and <laughs> I, I mean I guess it maybe it's more than luck, but uh, just looking at how asteroids get pulled away from slamming into Earth and making us look like a pockmarked laser pockmark. cannons on the moon, laser <laughs> cannons yeah. on the moon. You mean you don't? We just need like another a... Uranus, really. You don't want to. Turn <laughs> it, I think it's, it's Uranus or Neptune. I I forget which now, but that that is that it's revolutionary path and size its mass allows lots of stuff to get pulled away from slingshot Earth. So away, there's, yeah. there's actually a gravitational advantage to having it where it is in our solar system um what about jupiter i, I know people talk about that all the time it's why armageddon was a thing that that just well we had like that whole run of disaster movies there was that and oh absolutely <laughs> deep uh, deep impact and yeah, yeah. like but one of my favorite ones and because this is a fun way to, to kind of get close to the end of the podcast, right? One of my favorite ones is um, supernova. Distant supernova under certain circumstances can create, you know, what astronomers would kind of refer to as basically a shotgun effect. So there are certain types of uh, star decay, if you will, that result in sort of a plume of energy that is more directed than going out in a like a concentric circle in every direction where the energy is being distributed. And if a supernova like that happened to happen um, with its plume directed towards Earth, it could cover an insane distance with enough energy to completely strip the Earth's atmosphere 
and destroy us before we even get hit by the heat wave. Ooh. The sheer volume of radiation which would hit Earth and just strip all life from it. So, laser, so that's exciting. Laser cannons <laughs> won't help with that. Yeah. No, no, that's not going to help us. <laughs> so I say we just start firing things out the other direction. That's right. Let's be proactive. Proactive. <laughs> We're going to need a giant moon shield, too. So we, we need a laser defense. cannon and a shield. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, should, we should wrap <laughs> it up here. On that positive note, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, what else you got, man? Or is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to say? No, I just... Um, thanks for having me on, guys. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just want to say for everybody, with everything that's going on, you know, just stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. Kind of wrap it up that way. That's a good way to end it, man. It's way better than, than Space Shotgun. Yeah, than talking about the Earth being destroyed by a supernova. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, we've actually got more acute issues we need to deal with. No, man, thanks so much for joining us. It was tons of fun having you on, Jason. Um, you're welcome back anytime. And that brings another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast to a close. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you got news we missed, general feedback or the urge to join us for a recording. Hit us up, Twitter, LinkedIn, any way you know us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Like Jason said, stay safe out there. Um, be good to each other. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Jason. Bye, guys. Bye, Al.